Well, I feel bad because I bring us back to the simulation hypothesis <laughs> once again. Yeah. It's okay. It's a very relevant, a very valid question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also about the idea of creativity, because yeah, I think it's it's fun. Like we discuss creativity within STEM and natural science, which like I guess many people perceive it as a very rigid field. Um, however, we have seen through Clement and also John's perspective that it is, you know, kind of like the complete opposite of that. So once again, I was actually reading the simulation hypothesis book, <laughs> which is a book by a, by an MIT computer scientist that explores the hypothesis that a world is just a simulation. And in that particular book, he mentioned that um, physics, biology and chemistry explores the rules of this world that we're living in. And computer science allows us to create our own world and the rules of our own world. So to what extent, um, Clement, do you agree with this distinction? And do you think that that makes maybe computer science somewhat a more creative field of natural science? I mean, just going back to our main theme of natural science. And I guess that also can apply to engineering. Like engineering is more somewhat more creative than you know, pure science like physics, biology, and chemistry, because you can use those knowledge and construct many things that in, in our world. So yeah, I just wanted to know about this creativity idea. What do you think? Mm, I, I think in STEM, like many, like many subjects in STEM are sort of like creative in their own ways. Mm. Like, as you said, computer science, you can create your own rules in computer science where you, like, you can create your own code that can make mm. your code do your own things. But even in subjects like math, even though you're, you cannot make your own rules, you cannot mm. change the rules, you're confined by like a certain set of rules, it still gives room for a lot of like, creativity to work around those rules to achieve some beautiful results. For example, <laughs> like many people online, including you, Talia, create art using decimals. <laughs> which is, yeah, using yeah, a, a graphing tool mm. to create art. So yeah, I think it really depends on on how you look at creativity. <laughs> yeah, I, thanks for the decimals thing. I'm no longer doing it, but there's yeah, there's definitely a lot of you know really fun people that are doing it, and I've also recommended Clement to do it as well. And yeah, I completely with like your point of view on like creativity. I think uh, all fields like they they can be creative in their own ways. Like, and also I think previously you also mentioned that. You know, sometimes you also believe that creativity is more important in STEM um, as compared with, I think, experience, because I, I do agree, because um, there's so many new theories that are being founded, not just through like our past experience or intuition, but really through, you know, thinking in a creative way, how I can solve this particular problem and maybe perhaps it will be applied in the future. So I guess we can like just kind of continue with the topic of like CS and also engineering. And maybe it shifted to a bit of like a, you know, a, like a gender issue problem. So I remember back in the days, like the field of like so-called computer science were actually um, dominant, uh, predominantly women. Uh, I think some notable people are Ada Lovelace, Margaret Hamilton, Katherine Johnson. So I was kind of wondering, like, do you think the reason behind like the field of computer science and engineering, uh, which is 
right now currently dominated by men because um do you think this is because of like a biological or like brain structural thing like perhaps by normal distribution men's brains are just more logical and hence more suitable for tasks in this field which created the disparity in the gender um in this particular field or do you think it's kind of like a social construct issue like due to the increasing importance of computer science throughout the centuries and it has shifted from like tedious calculations and uh, codes which were like low value jobs and hence done by women but then as time progressed as society progressed uh, computer scientists and engineers linked to productivity and generating more money and hence more men and entering this particular field so essentially do you think that there's like a biological difference that makes um like men more suitable for this particular field or do you think that it's like a more a social construct thing um because of like the values of cs and hence more men are interested in it and then women are like slowly fading yeah um okay, so i've actually done some research on this and <gasps> according to uh Psychology professor Janet Hyde from the University of Wisconsin Madison. Mm. He he says that there is strong data in the United States that show mm. no like meaningful differences mm. in the performance among uh, a, a test of seven million boys and girls from grades two to mm. twelve in subjects like mathematics, which, in my opinion, this shows that girls are no less no less competent in like STEM subjects like math and science compared to boys. And in a paper written by uh, American computer science sci scientist Ellen Spertus called Why Are There So Few Female Computer sci Scientists? He writes that in the, in the abstract, but a theme of the report is that women's underrepresentation is not primarily due to direct discrimination, but due to subconscious behavior that tends to perpetuate the status quo. So I would say I agree with them. Since it's subtle gender gender stereotypes that we're exposed to on a daily day-to-day -day basis. For example, from TV shows or to the media outlets that we watch online or even from our parents that conditions mm. that condition us to believe oh that certain subjects like in STEM are more suited to boys while creative subjects like music and arts are more suited for females. Mm. So I don't believe in this notion that there is a biological advantage between males and females in STEM, but rather societal expectations cause us to make this decision that subsequently caused a gender gap in like these various subjects. And as for computer science in particular, um, back in the day when it was a female-dominated field, I definitely agree that it's because the tasks were mainly repetitive, like calculation, and th yeah, they're considered like low-level jobs, similar to when the typewriter was invented. Mm -hmm. Most of the typewriters at the time were recruited were females, and the occupation was literally given the name typewriter girls. Mm -hmm. And I think this is in, this is due to sexism and the stereotype that females can only can only do like repetitive, low value and low value tasks and non physically demanding tasks, while males were more suited to do like the more managemental and the higher value stuff but then like mm. over time like this like idea has faded like as 
like as society became more liberal. But now I think now I think it's due to just the subtle uh, gender stereotypes that perpetuate in today's society. Thank you so much for your opinion, and it's so much like it's so well researched. Like, yes, yeah, a very interesting discussion that we also had with um uh, Jasmine Chen and JP. So like those are like two girls that are in the STEM field, and it's just kind of interesting to see your opinion and also theirs. Like, and yes, thanks for like you know supporting um women in STEM and also trashing like this you know stereotype. So in the last interview with Jasmine Poon and uh, Jasmine Chan, we definitely also discussed about this issue with Joshua as well. Um, the first issue is kind of like how, you know, there's this um, narrative to encourage women in STEM. And sometimes it can actually be quite detrimental to like young girls because they feel like perhaps um, a traditionally women's field is not as good as the STEM field because there's just constantly this encouragement for them to go and like it just seems like a very fancy thing to enter a field that's like dominated by men and also how you know boys can also be impacted by it and also we kind of also touched upon how like to encourage women in STEM and also there's also this encouraging boys in fields like more artistic fields like ballet where you know, the method which they encourage them is um, kind of a lot of monetary or status or competition awards kind of idea to encourage them. So absolutely, I, I do think that it's more or less a social construct. So yeah, Joshua, I just want to know, like, what do you feel about this, um, you know, this kind of gender thing in the natural sciences? Yeah, I think Clement brought out a very interesting point about, you know, changing perception in, our, in, our, in an occupation could actually, you know, um, really change the gender balance within it. And I think, um, you know, from, as you mentioned, from our discussions with Jasmine about, you know, medicine and veterinary medicine, um, I think mm. you can see a very interestingly um, similar, but also like an opposite trend happening to veterinary medicine, actually. Because, you know, back in the days, veterinary mm. medicine were predominantly a man's field because, you know, people... Mm. Uh, you know, you know, back in the days when we're still in an agricultural society, there's a huge emphasis on livestock and yeah. you know animals um, as food, and so like they really need these veterinarians to really keep these livestock in good health. Since you know before the industrialization, we um we really rely on these really small farms and the well-being of animals as society's mm -hmm. main source of food. But as society progresses, and you know, um, the industries kind of move on to more industrialized scale. And now, you know, with mo most vet mm. veterinarians working with small animals and pets, um, you can see like there's more women coming into this field. And quite uh, interestingly, mm. the pay grade of veterinarians are actually decreasing over time. So as mm. you know, more men are moving mm. on to more lucrative occupations, such as, as you mentioned, computer sciences, human medicine, mm. and perhaps like yeah. business or finance. So um you can really see how, uh, you know, the perception to an occupation has a large impact on the gender dynamics and, uh, and in turn, perhaps the treatment or pay grade of a single occupation. So um, you can really see like these kind of um, preconceived stereotypes are actually very detrimental to the progression of a occupation itself, because as, uh, as we've seen through a lot of occupations, um, 
the kind of disparity in gender really could be in the barricade to the advancement of that particular occupation in question. So, you know, um, in my point of view, I think that it can really go both ways. So, like, on one hand, you know, it's a good thing that some jobs, you know, due to a more liberal environment, it's getting having more females um, involved in STEM subjects, or, or as you've mentioned, more males in more perhaps artistic or humanitarian subjects that are previously seen as a female dominated. But on the other hand, uh, as Clement has also mentioned, there are still these really preconceived subconscious um, ideas that are deep rooted in society and that we have to address in order to, you know, to ensure that um, both, uh, like all genders are being equally treated and represented in the workplace. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely I can um totally see how like the, like what you've said, like the vet field has transformed. And I think it's also like an interesting thing that I observed is that like, there's definitely more girls entering like fields like biology and chemistry in the natural science fields. But in terms of you know, engineering or um, physics and mathematics, I think it is still, there's still quite like a large um, gender ratio gap between that. Because I remember back in our school and physics HL class, Clement definitely knows, knows there's only two girls and that's me and like, you know, another girl who's there. So there's just only two in like uh, physics HL. But then I remember in biology HL in our school, there's like definitely more girls or like even a more balanced ratio and yeah I also kind of see how you mentioned how like in the vet field it has before us men because it was somewhat more important because agriculture and working with animals is more important but now there's no like this working with animal relationship anymore but it's rather like animals as like a pet so I guess like this is a world where we see money more important than mental health, mental state, emotional stuff. So there's like more girls entering. Yeah. Um, that's a very interesting point about, you know, you know, with your physics HL class, there's only two <laughs> girls. Yeah. yeah and, also with know, math, right? Oh. Math is only like four, four girls. Oh my class. God. Yeah. And that is speaking, like, you know, our schools are really relatively, you know, liberal in, this, in terms that, you know, we allow all mm. genders. To, so maybe it really comes down to subconscious, yeah. like, kind of prejudice. And I think find it very interesting mm. because I think for art, there's nearly no boys mm. that chose art for IB. Mm. And that's the, also the there's same one. thing that happens for IGCSE. <laughs> there's, like, two boys who chose art for IGCSE <laughs> studies. So I guess it really, like, it goes both ways. Like, of mm. course, we have to really encourage, like, females going to STEM, but we should also really encourage more boys to go into, like, perhaps, like, human humanities or, like, art subjects. And mm. I think, you know, yeah. when we're talking about, you know, as you mentioned, we're living in this world where, you know, money is seen as more important than perhaps interest or passion. <laughs> um, you can really see how in, mm. you know, fields that are dominated by men, the pay grade are actually or the treatment, the benefits are actually better than fields that are dominated by females. Mm. For example, like you see how, I think mm. a, there's a reason of why um, STEM is garnering so much you know, attention because it is very lucrative field mm. that is also dominated by men. But you know, as opposed to like perhaps mm. more artistic fields like arts, it seems as perhaps less lucrative. So, you know, um, you can see less 
males there and instead it's more dominated by females. So like, yeah. Yeah. It's that reality. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, and also the fact that, you know, in math class, even though there's our physics class, even though there's so few girls, but they're, the class is full. Like the classes yeah. have so many uh, people there. Uh, but then for art, there's only like a few people studying it. And I, I do understand like you have to, if you want to study pure arts, you have to be so rich that you have yeah. to forget all of your troubles to just pursue, you know, because I think, yeah, it's like a field where you can be expressive. and mm. But then... I, I do understand, like, we as human beings, we do have to generate some value in our society. So, yeah, I think it's definitely yeah. interesting. Point but it's so weird, right? Because before, in perhaps, like, medieval times, or, like, even mm. in dynastical China, actually, it's the reverse, you know, being able to yeah. express yourself in the arts, in literature, is seen as a very good skill in order to secure a spot in being a perhaps a religious figure in the west or perhaps in china we have like i don't know how to call it in english like government officials like guan the kind of things so like you can really see there's a reverse of trend there where um you know before you know arts and those sub- and language is seen as more important but as society progresses now we're seeing you know science and mm. stem subjects as more important and as you mentioned you definitely see like the migration of you know the uh, people from different occupation based on how you know lucrative or you know yeah those occupations are so i guess you know exterior motivation is still mm. a very important motive like a key a factor to consider it when people choose as an occupation so what do you think about that Clement? why do you, like would you say like this kind of um mentality is a factor when you're thinking of choosing perhaps a stem subject or do you think um personally you have other beliefs and values that motivate you to choose perhaps engineering now mm, well personally like even though i agree that most like most people who maybe go into the STEM, you know, like in engineering, are there for, uh, for the money. But then personally, I'm more motivated by like mm-hmm. personal interest oh, and passion. Because I still think that is like the main driving force for like motivation and and what you do. Yeah, that's a very good yeah, mindset. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's yeah, I remember. Good. Like Clement is super into like aviation and like planes and. Yeah, I I think that I think yeah for sure. I think you, Clement, you also previously mentioned that it is a rigorous uh, program, but then at the end of the day, it's still your passion and your own motivation that drives you. Yeah, so like continuing our discussion just now, like where we related like money and stuff with us with um the subjects that we're choosing. Yeah, I do feel like there is definitely like a proportion of like engineering majors that ends up doing like finance or in the business field. Uh. I guess the, you know, the, 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 the blue pill is very appealing to many people <laughs> when it comes to, you know, this world that we're living in. So yeah, climate, like, I just also want to see, like, why do you think that is the case? And like, maybe even if you want to, you can also share a little bit about your own career plans. And like, yeah, why do you think I guess the answer is obvious money. Like people choose uh, this particular path where they switch from an engineering degree to maybe pursue like business in um, higher education. I think 
oh, people like people like of course when they like in the future after you get out of college people want like I pay so they yeah. usually, usually money is like associated with like having a comfortable life being to do whatever you mm. want which yeah. is why I think in general um mm. when and you see more people in engineering they may do like maybe a master's in business ma- and management mm. but then usually you don't see like the, the other way around where mm. uh business majors like there are very few business majors who do uh masters in engineering and i think it's because of this because because yeah, people want like a good salary in the future and they view like business management as like a high high level job so that can give them job uh like financial stability so i think mm. yeah i think that that is why there's a general like preference towards business like at the higher level mm. because yeah people are motivated by money yeah. And as for my career plans, um, I've always wanted to be a pilot from a young mm. age. Whether that is a good idea or not, I <laughs> don't really care. Since I firstly believe, yeah, passion, like, like as long as you have the passion, then you're willing to do whatever it takes to achieve like your certain goal. And mm. yeah, even even if being a a pilot isn't sustainable in the future i'm also keeping like an open mind and to be an engineer and maybe one of the big aerospace firms mm. in the future as well right. yeah well that's i mean first of all i think it's like super fun to have you on here and also jasmine poon because like you two are like what two of the guests that you know are pretty sure what they want to do from an early age or like at least know like which direction you're interested in because um jp also wanted to do to become a vet from like a very very early age and like yeah i think it's great to see and invite people who you know have decided on something from a very young age and work towards that goal and also some people maybe realize at a later time and i think that also shows us like you can definitely pick your own path and also like also the mentioning of like how engineering people they switch to a business management course maybe they realize they're interested in that or maybe the the power of money has become too real like reality hits hard and kind of realizing that you know it's important to be financially um to achieve financial stability i think definitely like this world i think i do believe that finance world definitely offers like much more opportunities than you know things in stem and i i think it's really interesting that you brought up that many engineering people end up studying in business management degrees uh compared with like business major switching to like a masters in engineering and like i think it's interesting that you mentioned that this is perhaps for like financial reasons um, because sometimes I also feel like is it because of, like ability reasons like because of these like um, critical s- thinking skills that engineering students have which um, is perhaps stronger than business students which make them more capable to study a business management course however for a business major it will be very difficult for them to pick up something like uh, engineering which I think a lot of people perceive engineering as way more rigorous um in the studies so yeah like what's what's your do you feel like um perhaps ability uh, is also another factor that causes this situation to happen actually yeah 
now that I think of that, I also, yeah, think that that is also a reason because, like, in engineering, usually the skills that we learn are like critical thinking skills or problem solving skills. Mm -hmm. And that is a very, like, important, like, these are very important skill sets that are very versatile and can be used in many, mm -hmm. like, in, in many, which are important in many fields. But then, yeah. yeah, for a business student to go into engineering in the future, it's going to be a, a very drastic change in, in like, in mm -hmm. the work that they have to do. So maybe that's also the reason why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do feel like in business schools, it's it definitely offers you way more about, like, soft skills. Um, and you have to, like, build connections. And, yeah, I, I do think that I... Like personally, I also agree with you. I do think that ability-wise, I think it's much easier um, to switch from engineering to business than the other way around because it's just much harder to, you know, actually start and practice critical thinking skills. Even though, like, I would love to see that happen, like where business students decided to, you know, study something like engineering or um, maybe even math or something. So, yeah, I think that's just very interesting phenomenon that happens in our world right now and you know usually with our interviews we like to wrap it around with some a, a question on education and yeah clement i remember like <laughs> before in ib <laughs> you didn't take additional mathematics and igcsa exams but you absolutely aced your math analysis and approaches hl exams in ib and I definitely remember you got the mathematics scholarship. And you're you're probably, you know, the highest scoring person in math in our entire year level in IB. So that is just, that is an achievement. Okay, like, so I just wanted to ask you, like, what are your tips, strategies, and secrets to being good at math and physics in a short amount of time? Perhaps, like, maybe people think you were at a disadvantage when you didn't take AA additional math before you took the AHL course so yeah what's your strategies what are some things you want to share to people to ace math in high school level well <laughs> well I'm, I'm not sure about the highest scoring person like in your <laughs> level but then yeah, you probably but, are <laughs> there, there are also a lot of talented people in math in your level including the very host of this podcast but then yeah jokes aside yeah Joshua was, yeah <laughs> no, what? No, I, I, I I'm so bad at math as seen from the previous podcast. No. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely watch that. No, sure. do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will include it. I will definitely include that. No, don't. <laughs> don't cut this out. Don't cut it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was one of the only people there were a few but i was one of the only people who did who took um aa higher level in ib without taking additional maths in igcse i would say and I, again i'm another cliche answer but then i would say nothing beats mm. passion and hard work to achieve your goals because as long as you have the passion to work hard you are able to like catch up with other people even if you're at a disadvantage and Many um many people might say that IB maths is the hardest like higher level in IB, but then after completing the IB and after going through the course, even without doing additional maths in IGCSE, I would heavily disagree with that statement. And it really depends on what your interest, where your interests lie, and what subjects you you want to pursue in the future. 
And in terms of real advice for exams, <laughs> especially like for maths or maybe physics, I would say you need to practice、um, a lot of past papers and be familiar with the syllabus and the types of questions that, or how the exam board will ask you. And you also have to recognize the patterns throughout the years, like what topics do they prefer or what questions are repeated over the years. And I would say that the textbook is using the textbook is not 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 the most necessary thing. And instead, you past papers, in my opinion, are more. Valuable resource when it comes to revision,、mm. uh, for your exams. Yes. Wow! Thank you so much for this pro tip from you. And yeah, thank you so much. And I guess that actually also a very interesting point for um this doing past paper thing compared with like uh what we talked about discussed with John last time is like. John definitely also had shared a similar viewpoint that, and high school math and IB math is more about like practicing and like uh in his words a computing knowing how to compute mathematics. But then when he was doing like university mathematics, it becomes like a completely different story where um perhaps he has to learn the critical skills and definitely critical skills. We also Com- uh, the topic of critical skills we definitely have discussed it just now in the previous question. So, as someone in an engineering degree, do you think that you know still practicing your computational skills in engineering is very important, or perhaps critical skills and critical thinking has become you know on the rise when it comes to the important part? So. Yeah, like, do you think practicing how to think in a critical way it's becoming more important than you know just basically practicing when it comes to the major that you're pursuing right now?、Mm, after taking a year in university, I would say, um, past papers are still important in university, but you have to approach like using past papers in a different way. You can't just use、mm. the past papers to memorize, but you have to use it to understand、mm. to use it to understand.、Mm. And that is where like the critical thing comes in. Otherwise, like the concepts are just too complicated、mm. to be able to excel in, in that case. If you're just purely、yeah. memorizing from, like from rote memory, let's just say. And yeah, perhaps there's、yeah. this disparity between like I'm not I'm not sure I'm feeding into stereotypes, but perhaps there's this disparity between perhaps like Western and perhaps Asian institutes where one may prefer.、Um, A more creative approach, perhaps、um, one that requires more critical thinking. Well, perhaps there's a stronger emphasis on grades and foundational knowledge、mm. in Asian institutes. So it's not to say one is better、mm. than another, but but perhaps like there is the culture does play a role in the、yeah. way that education is delivered. A bit like a field that's so、um, perceived as objective as、um, STEM subjects, I would say. Yeah. I definitely think Asian、um, institutions will emphasize more like the content they're teaching,、um, because like when John mentioned, like they have lessons on how to think critically or like how、yeah. to think in a mathematical approach. I was like, this is I don't think it's like like more this. I don't think this is like emphasized as much in Asian institutions. So yeah, like Clement, do you share like a similar point? Like, do you think Singapore institutions might be? Like, do you think it's more similar to like a Western institution, or like, do you think there's still some form of like Asian 
mindset of perhaps grades or teaching more like the content stuff um, in, in, in a Singaporean university? Mm, I, would, I would say it's definitely like more like an Asian institute since most of my, mm. most of my classes are definitely like focused on like exam, like style questions. Mm. And they're, they're definitely like m- more of my like grades are determined by like the final exam compared to mm. maybe like, lab work or projects, I would say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you share yeah. some experience from UST? I, I no, think. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, UST definitely emphasized a lot on grades and like, I think. I don't know, like, there's something about the bigger environment, like the institution you're in, the school environment that will influence you. But there's also quite a lot of things like you personally can control yourself. So, yeah, definitely there's this place where, yeah, maybe the school emphasizes a lot on grades and maybe that's not really what you want to get from a higher education institution maybe you want to explore more creative aspects maybe you don't want your life to be you know just grades only but uh, yeah I think that's um something not just to do with like the environment of the institution but also yourself like do you what do you place as more important and but then I do feel like you know as Asians we already have this pressure to get high, good grades and then plus the ones in an institution it can definitely be like suffocating sometimes and like when John said like his first grade first year grading system is only like what 10% of his overall grade at, I don't know like I don't know what system that his school is using but then yeah. he is just so chill <laughs> like, I just can't believe that yeah I just feel like yeah, your institution definitely will play a role when it comes to how you, like your emotions and how psychologically you process your academic um, studies or like uh, life outside of your academic studies. Um, yeah, th- I think they definitely play a role. But then also personally, I think you can definitely find ways to relax and just, you know, find interesting things to be engaged in. And yeah, I just think there are things that you can't change. Um, so you try to change yourself. <laughs> and thank you so much for this extremely well-researched um, interview with all of your amazing opinions and insights. And yeah, thank you for being on our podcast. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next time on The Uncommon Senses.